Since the November 3rd election took place, Donald Trump has asserted he is the victor. And when the mainstream media called it for Joe Biden, Donald Trump refused. He challenged the results with several lawsuits. Now, these official suits in the Trump campaign are only a small portion of the lawsuits that have actually been filed that would have helped Donald Trump overturn the results and eventually win. But most of these suits, particularly the ones launched by the Trump campaign, were not heard. They were typically kicked out of the courts due to standing issues, injury or procedural issues. When it comes to accusations of voter fraud, many judges have outright refused to see the evidence. But in the court of public opinion, those on the right, those who support Trump have absolutely seen the evidence. And while I wouldn't say it's been adjudicated to the point where we can make a determination, Peter Navarro put out a report that Trump is citing, claiming that the results are definitive and there's more than enough evidence to say that the results have been overturned. This is the kind of thing that needs to make its way to a court. But when most courts are saying, due to standing, like I mentioned, we're not going to hear this, Trump supporters eventually meet their wits end. And now Donald Trump is calling on his supporters to descend on Washington, D.C., January 6th, the day the Electoral, co- uh, the, the Electoral College votes will be counted in a joint session by Congress. On that day, Trump says, show up for a protest. It's going to be wild. And based on what we've already seen from the previous events, I think Trump is absolutely correct. Now, will all of Trump's supporters actually show up? I'm not too sure. But this could be Trump's last stand. And it's a time when he has specifically called on his supporters to arrive in D.C. That's something that may actually be the big push Trump supporters need to say, this is it. It's now or never. I don't know if that if this will actually end up solving anything. But a call like this from Donald Trump, although it may be relatively passive, he did say be there. This could be a sign of the political willpower to stand up, take charge and actually physically contest what's going on in this country. I don't know exactly what form that will take, but I can say Antifa obviously has been, well, not too subtle in their anger with the U.S. government over the past year or longer going around setting fires, destroying buildings. They've attacked and targeted innocent people for a very long time. At the last event in D.C., the Proud Boys came out and they torched a Black Lives Matter banner. They went around beating up Antifa, and it looked very much like what you'd see in videos from Antifa. The only difference? Well, the Proud Boys weren't going around targeting innocent businesses and random people. Now, there are some accusations that they tore down a banner from a church and then burned it, Though people on the right are arguing the banner actually had already been torn down before by Black Lives Matter, by Antifa, apparently because they felt it was corporatization or the church shouldn't actually be doing it. There's obviously going to be accusations on both sides and moral justification. So I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or wrong when both sides are engaging in what I could describe as mutual combat. I could only say this. It's not just the right that's reaching their wits end. Watching the the court say, no, we won't even hear the evidence in Nevada, in Georgia, seeing what they believe to be definitive evidence just get ignored. Well, these people are going to snap. The mainstream media obviously, obviously is saying it's all wrong. It's fake news. It's not true. And Trump is pushing it. But on the left, people are fed up with the lockdowns. Unfortunately, they're not fed up in the way that they probably should be calling for an end to the lockdowns. They're angry the government isn't going to print them more money or just I don't know how they expect to give the people more money, but they're mad the stimulus checks aren't big enough. People are now in massive debt. 
On average, I believe one report says $6,000 in unpaid rent or mortgages on average, and 12 million people are facing eviction. It's obviously not the same kind of anger we see on the right, but the powder keg is there. The chemical mixture of an angry and outraged right wing and an angry and outraged left wing is sitting right before us. And Trump has said, my friends, it is time for a wild protest. There were already fears from the left that we are going to see widespread Trumpism violence. But let's read these stories and see exactly what's going on. Because I'll tell you, the one thing that's going to keep the establishment propped up, I can say, is that the left and the right, they won't get along with each other. So I think we might actually see some kind of three-way conflict establishment, the right and the left. That's it's not just two factions. The right is clearly upset with the Democratic establishment, but so is the left. But the left and the right don't like each other either. So I think for the most part, the left and the right might be targeting the establishment and the political machine. And that will leave a weird space between the two where they probably won't be fighting, though they definitely won't be unifying. This is the big threat to the political establishment right now, coming from both fronts, left and right. We can only guess as to how it will play out. But let's get started with Trump's call for people to take physical action. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. Got a P.O. box. You want to send me some stuff. But the best thing you can do, obviously, share this video. This is the kind of stuff that I hope people are paying attention to, the kind of thing that will actually impact your life. But when you turn on the big mainstream media news broadcast, they're talking about, you know, the vaccine or whatever, and that's fine. But are they telling you what's actually happening on the ground near your home? Probably not. If you think I do a good job, it's rational and reasonable. And please share this video, smash the like button, subscribe, and let's get to the news. Fox News reports. Trump promises wild protest in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, claims it's impossible he lost. Trump's campaign has filed a number of unsuccessful lawsuits challenging the election results. They say, well, first, they highlight a tweet from Trump. Trump says, Peter Navarro releases 36-page report alleging election fraud more than sufficient to swing victory to Trump. A great report by Peter. Statistically impossible to have lost the 2020 election. Big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there. Will be wild. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Trump tweeting be there will be wild is like this grand call to arms of Trump putting on golden armor and taking out a horn and saying the time has come, people, for a march to victory. He's just tweeting be there. It'll be wild. And it probably will be. Will it be more than we've seen? It may be. January 6th, It's not just about Trump saying be there. January 6th is about the joint session of Congress where the Electoral College is going to count the votes. This is it, Trump supporters. For everything you've said, for everything you've claimed, January 6th is effectively the last day of this election. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that the battle or the war is anywhere near over. Already, we're hearing the next step in this saga will be Trump declaring himself a shadow president. Well, we've already heard accusations that Barack Obama was essentially doing that as it is. If on January 6th, the vote count comes in, and this is the extreme likelihood, like 99.999%, they're going to read it all for Joe Biden. Then Joe Biden will be officially confirmed by a joint session of Congress. The constitutional process will have completed for the election. And the inauguration will be on January 20th. If there was any claim to a legitimate constitutional challenge for Republicans, 
it is for the most part coming to an end on January 6th. Now, I say for the most part because between the 6th and the 20th, there still can be legal challenges. And obviously, the Supreme Court make, can make their decisions because we're human beings. We're not computer programs that follow this narrow path. The Constitution is that guideline. But, you know, technically something could happen and things could change. But as far as the electoral process is concerned, this is the last day for the actual legal determination. On January 6th, if they say Biden takes it, then there's no argument. He took it. Now, maybe you could overturn after that in some capacity, like if health issues arise or Joe Biden can't be inaugurated, something interesting would happen. Trump is the next highest amount of votes. That wouldn't really matter because you got to get 270, which would result in a House contingent election. And obviously Trump would win. So the election may be ending on the 6th as far as the constitutional process is concerned. But clearly the war is not over. I want to make that clear for everybody because let's, 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 let's let me, I want to be careful here. So uh, Joe Biden's a very, very old man. Okay. And he was coughing up a storm the other day. We'll see how things play out. They go on to say January 6th is the day Congress will meet to accept the presidential election results. But Trump and his campaign have disputed the results and launched numerous legal challenges. Roughly four dozen lawsuits by the Trump campaign and allies to upend the election results over the past six weeks have been tossed out by state and federal judges. Here's the important part. Most of them were not by Trump and the ones that were were tossed out for procedural reasons. I warned about this. I said the Texas lawsuit should be picked up by the Supreme Court. And if they think it should not be ruled in favor of Trump, they should just say so by throwing out a massive lawsuit with 126 House Republicans, with, I believe, a total of 20 states on the Republican side, 20 states on the Democrat side and four disputed in between. You are looking at an extreme disconnect in our states against each other. And when you throw that suit out, you are telling them we won't even hear what you have to say. Now, at the very least, if they took that suit up, then you'd have people feeling like at least their arguments were heard. Now they feel like no matter what we do, no matter what we say, you won't even pay attention to what our arguments are. Procedural dismissal of these suits. And if people feel like they don't have the ability to speak up to challenge what's going on and they feel powerless and backed into a corner, well, then people are going to strike back. And that's when things start getting spicy. From Breitbart, MSNBC's Jason Johnson predicts wave of violence after Trump leaves office. MSNBC political analyst Jason Johnson predicted Friday on deadline that violence over Donald Trump losing the White House would increase. Johnson said, this is just the beginning of how this is going to be. Senator Tuberville, he abandoned Texas Tech. He leaves everything but not Trumpism. He abandoned three different colleges, but he's not abandoning Trumpism. You have Proud Boys who are marching through Washington, D.C. and tearing down signs. The moment that Donald Trump is out of power, these groups will become more unhinged. The Republican Party is full of individuals, even if they don't believe the things to the core, are willing to placate and play with and galvanize these kinds of organizations. He continued, I think we're heading into an even darker period, because if you don't have somebody at the head of this sort of collection of ants running in and out of this insane anthill of MAGA and nonsense of white nationalism, if there's no one to control them, if Donald Trump doesn't have anybody around him to say, hey, look, this is a good idea or a bad idea, 
they will only get worse. He'll sit and stew and watch television every day and think about the fact he's not on Saturday Night Live anymore. Think, think about the fact that nobody cares about him and that will enrage him and other people supporting him. So yeah, I think the Republican Party is in for real soul searching. But right now, a lot of them are still committed to Donald Trump. And the violence we're going to see in the coming months will make make this past summer look like a picnic. I'm not happy about that. I'm not enthusiastic about that. But that's what I see happening. And the violence we're seeing in the streets right now is just a preview. He added, we're talking Portland. We're talking the Midwest. And these people are empowered every single minute of every single day that they hear senators deny the legitimacy of Joe Biden getting into office. They're not being crushed down. They are not. Uh, they are being empowered. Look at the two people running for the January 5th runoff. They are encouraging this kind of behavior. This is not the end. It is the beginning. And that, my friends, is why there is a strike right down the middle of this country, a fissure splitting us into two distinct universes. One, where for years, with impunity, far leftists and Antifa who have rejected the legitimacy of Trump beat people, bashed them over the head. And in, in, in a couple instances, we have dead people. It has happened. And there has been conflict and clashes between the two different factions. But to see MSNBC claim it's the Proud Boys, they're the ones being emboldened after one night where they went around in D.C. But for years, I've watched the videos of Antifa. For years, I have been on the ground witnessing them beating people, knocking elderly people to the ground, setting their hats on fire brutally beating these people. There is no uniting these two groups, and there is nothing but anger and rage between them. If Donald Trump is out of power, they say, whether it's January 6th or the months after, they expect violence. I will tell you one thing. The big difference between Antifa and the Proud Boys that morons like these individuals on MSNBC don't understand is that the Proud Boys don't do things at random. They actually are more centralized and hierarchical, unlike Antifa. Antifa's violence is hard to control, random violent anger. The Proud Boys and other right-wing groups and militias take specific action for specific reasons. The violence we will see coming after Donald Trump leaves, it's not going to be Proud Boys going rabble, rabble down the street. A little bit, sure. The increase in violence is going to be controlled and strategic violence from groups who are looking to gain certain things to accomplish certain goals. I'll give you an example. In Portland, we see the autonomous zones. Groups surround a few blocks, take it over, put up barricades and booby traps. What's their goal? Some kind of nebulous autonomy and anti-eviction. In a small town called Mossy Brook, where the mayor said we will not be engaging in this lockdown, their goal was very simple. They're just going to keep their businesses open. There was no hard occupation. It was just them saying, we defy. And Patriot Prayer showed up to support them. I believe the violence you will end up seeing is more likely going to be right wing groups setting up checkpoints around their counties or small towns saying we do not recognize the mandates from an illegitimate president. And if violence ends up actually breaking out from this, that will be the root of it. Some federal law enforcement officer or CDC official saying we must quarantine. They're already reporting a new strain of COVID in the UK. 70% more infectious. Time to lock down. Christmas is canceled. How many small towns are going to say Christmas is not canceled? How many small towns are going to call up any able-bodied man to defend their homes? 
And then how many of these towns might get choked out when the roads get shut down by federal authorities? That's the kind of thing you should be worried about from the right. Not to say it'll actually happen, but that's what the right would be more likely to do. I mean, we're talking about actual veterans with actual skills who are trained by this government and fought in the Middle East and know exactly how to do these jobs. The funny thing is, I've seen comments from these Trump supporters, especially as they're mocking and insulting me, mind you, saying that while I may be a coward, I certainly don't think that's the case, but they say they're not. They have dealt with, as veterans, actual combat in the deserts of the Middle East. And they would love, they say, to be walking down the street of American cities, grabbing Taco Bell on the way home after the conflict. I don't think it'll be that pristine or pretty that you could actually do that to a certain degree, but they're more than anxious to post online. They are ready, willing and able. Now, what about the left? What's going on with the left? Well, they're certainly ready to burst. So we may see may see mass destabilization in major cities because the far left is ready to snap, kind of ignorantly unaware that the Democratic governor's lockdowns have destroyed everything. For some reason, they still support it. They're just angry they're not being given money. Take a look at this story from The Independent. Mass eviction fears as 12 million will owe $6,000 in unpaid rent and bills by January. The tidal wave is coming, says lawyer Charlie Herrick from December 9th, about 10 days ago. And he's right. Mass evictions in these cities and other places, but mainly centralized in these cities where there's very dense urban population. What do you think these people are going to do? Do you think they'll cease to exist? Do you think they'll be like, oh, no, I couldn't pay my rent and then just vanish into thin air, kind of like back to the future? No, they're going to say, I can't pay my rent. And it's your fault to the governors, to the mayors, to the police chiefs. And they'll go out and they'll riot. And when that happens and these other right wing groups are saying, y'all locked down, we got nothing to do with it. Do you think the right wing groups are then going to come out in defense of the police in New York City after these police broke their oath to the Constitution and destroyed the lives of innocent working class individuals? I don't think so. It's at a point like that you truly see what some kind of civil war or conflict will be. The ignorant say there's not going to be a Mason Dixon line like Bill Maher said. The Mason Dixon line would go through Nana's kitchen. Okay, Bill, perhaps you should read about actual civil conflict, fourth and fifth generational warfare, and what's actually going on instead of just phoning it in. Because I'll tell you what you might see. You're not going to see Antifa storming into Mossy Brook, Washington. Why? They don't live there. They don't know the people there. And they're not going to be fighting over what is there. And why would the residents of Mossy Brook storm into Portland? They don't know who, you know, they're, they're not concerned about the resources there or Amazon or anything like that. They don't care about the autonomous zone. If anything, it will just be disparate cells popping up of people who say enough. You are not legitimate to me. I made this tweet. The left, the, the, the establishment Democrat left were like, look at this guy and his hot takes. I said, Antifa does not view the U.S. government as legitimate. What happens when you add 74 million people to that number? It's not going to be a massive pro-Trump army marching in the streets wearing American flags and taking orders from Trump. It's going to be disparate cells of different militias, different right wing groups, and they're going to say, leave me alone. Well, that's the start of it, at least. I don't know where it goes after that or if it'll even get to that point. But if Trump really does refuse to back down by by, uh, you know, at every turn, then what could possibly happen?
Okay, let's play normalcy bias. Let's just talk about normalcy. Maybe it's all bluster. It's just Trump is saying stuff and his supporters are saying, oh, yeah, and then really they're just going to go home and do nothing. Maybe. I kind of have that normalcy bias. And I thought to myself, there, there's optimism bias and normalcy bias. Normalcy bias is it can't happen here. Optimism bias is very, very similar, but where you just assume only the good things are likely to happen. In which case, I'm like, everything's going to be fine, optimism, and it can't happen here, normalcy. But let me ask you if that was the case. Are we in a normal period right now? No. The economy has been shut down. The Constitution is being used as toilet paper by the Democratic governors in multiple states. So no, there's no normalcy and nothing to be optimistic about. Even though they're saying we have multiple vaccines on the horizon and 100 plus thousand have already been vaccinated, they're still saying we don't know how effective it will be at preventing the transmission of COVID and if it's going to stop people from getting it. People's property has been taken from them. Their pursuit of happiness has been crushed. Their rights as citizens thrown in the gutter as the Constitution is being used as toilet paper and their actual lives are at risk. This is a recipe for revolution. So call it civil war. Call it what you want. Call it Donald Trump saying, hey, everybody, come on down to a January 6th protest. Gonna be wild when they count the votes again. It could all be bluster, boastfulness, braggart saying, I'm tough. I'll fight. I'll do what I got to do. I really don't think so. Listen, you have a Second Amendment right to bear arms, right? But clearly, we, you know, we had a story uh, my buddy Luke was telling me about the other day where a woman in New York City who has airsoft guns was charged with having legal fire, like having illegal firearms because they resemble firearms. That's it. She didn't even have real guns and they're giving her 25. They're trying to give her 25 years in prison. Your constitutional rights have been trampled all over in many of these places for a long time. And there's a quote that I'll paraphrase Thomas Sowell, something to the effect of if you don't, the Constitution defends you, but only if you defend the Constitution. And right now in New York, it's not being defended. You know, for a while, I've said the system was working. The courts have worked. The Supreme Court has ruled and defended religious liberties and the right to worship. Uh, I believe it was Gorsuch who said, in, in no reality are you allowed to have nail salons open, but churches shut down. The First Amendment guarantees your right to gather and worship. Yet Cuomo in New York says, I don't care. He recently banned hate symbols being sold or displayed on state property. A clear violation of First Amendment rights. And he said, yeah, well, it probably does violate the Constitution. You know, we'll figure it out. And here we are. We're at a point where left and the right clearly don't like each other, but for different reasons are ready to burn it all to the ground figuratively and kind of tariff in a scary way. Uh, literally, the left is saying $600 is not enough. And we're seeing today general strike is trending. Now, listen, general strike. What does that even mean right now? The left is calling for a general strike, okay? Which basically means everybody stop working, right? In normal circumstances, a general strike can be effective. The economy grinds to a halt. There's no tax revenue. And it creates a serious problem for the elites, both political and business elites. And just general, you know, elites, wealthy families, etc. But right now, nobody's working. A general strike doesn't do anything. But at least it shows the left is getting angry and they're already the ones who want to be violent. So now they're organizing as well. 
and you mix it all up into a nice little pot, stir it all up. And what do you get? You get chaos. I saw this it was also trending. December 18th, 536 p.m. p.m. from Ann Telnius, all the Republican rats from The Washington Post. All of the state attorneys general and U.S. Congress members who collaborate with President Trump in his attempt to subvert the Constitution and stay in office. This is what makes Republicans say enough. Not all the Republican politicians, just these ones and the Trump supporters. There's a story from Newsweek I covered earlier that said the Republican Party, it's Trump. Trump is the one who gets the donations, not the Republicans. So we've talked about a MAGA party or a Patriot party or some, some kind of party for Donald Trump. It's it. The Republicans, they're done. Mitch McConnell, Republicans don't like him for the most part. Trump supporters who are making up the dominant Republican faction, 90 plus percent are giving their money to Trump, not the Republicans. Without him, the Republicans have nothing. In the Washington Post, they show all of these people as rats with their names near them, the different states they are, they're from. Their names, the representatives, David LaHood, Rep Tim Wahlberg, all drawn as rats. It actually is just a bunch of different rats with their names next to them. You have Rep Matt Gates, he's got a cool little haircut. And you got Rep Louis Gohmert, he's got a long, you know, broken nose, I guess. And that's it. It's just a bunch of picture of rats. But this is the kind of dehumanization that results in actual civil war. Between who? The Washington Post represents Amazon, Jeff Bezos, the corporate elites, the banksters and the Democratic Party. It doesn't represent the progressive populist left. The progressive populist left makes up just shy of half of the Democratic base. I don't think they care all that much about this, but there is an overlap between the progressive left and the establishment Democrat left. With things like the Young Turks, for instance, they overlap very well between the two and act as a kind of pseudo false progressivism. You want to talk about who's actually a populist progressive? You look at someone like Jimmy Dore. See, see, Jimmy Dore and I can agree on most of the important issues and then disagree on solving the problem. Jimmy Dore would say Medicare for all. I would argue I don't know if it's economically feasible right now, and he'd probably call me an enlightened centrist, but we would agree with the main problem of the wealthy establishment elites siphoning off the wealth of the working class people. We would sit down and agree we need to fight for the people to protect their rights and their ability to support themselves. And be it a stimulus package or ending the lockdown, something must be done to save these families. I believe Jimmy would probably be more in favor of a stimulus package and I'd be more in favor of ending the lockdown, but kind of a little bit of both. I, you know, I think there's room for some kind of stimulus. My fear is hyperinflation and the mass printing of money. That's the kind of actual uh, populist alignment we should be seeing. We're not right now, but maybe we will. MSNBC is terrified about what happens after Trump leaves. Why? It won't just be angry right wingers. It's going to be the populists in general all saying F the establishment. Joe Biden will likely be the most despised president in American history. He's going to be considered weak and feckless, much like James Buchanan just before the Civil War. But also you have 40 to 50 percent of the Democratic Party, the progressives who don't want Biden, but they thought he was better than Trump. And you've got almost every single Republican who doesn't like Joe Biden because he's the crony establishment capitalist, you know? Well, no, 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 that's the left. Sorry. He's the crony establishment corporatist is what I meant to say. He doesn't represent true capitalism and free markets. He represents crony capitalism. And to the left, he still <laughs> represents capitalism. 
But in the end, you may actually see something like we saw before with Antifa and the Boogaloo Boys shaking hands in a famous viral video. I believe it was Ford Fisher who filmed it. Journalist, you see one Antifa guy shake the hand of a Boogaloo Boy saying you stood with us today and we thank you for that. The Boogaloo Boy said, we agree, we're anarchists and we don't want the we don't like the government either. Antifa says, OK, they mostly agree on the on the problems of the establishment. They disagree on the kind of government or system, the economic system they would want after the fact. But that's secondary. First and foremost is the anger towards the machine. And that's what I think is coming. What it culminates in, I don't know. And I will tell you this. I can't see the future and it may just be nothing. But I don't know if it makes sense to have a normalcy bias in a time when everything is unprecedented and it is far from normal. I guess we can only wait till January 6th to see, do Trump supporters have the political willpower to come out to D.C. to spend that money to fly? Because I tell you this, when Trump got inaugurated, the answer was no. Now, Trump supporters can deny it, but most people didn't go to D.C. And maybe it just didn't matter all that much. Trump won. Why, why come out? He won. Congratulations. They showed up for the vote. That's what mattered. Well, now this is what matters. Are they going to show up in person on this very important day? We'll see. The next segment is coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast News. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Make no mistakes, my friends. What we are dealing with is political warfare. And maybe this is the way it always is, but it certainly seems a bit more extreme this year than it has in many years since past. Now, of course, 2016 was probably one of the worst, but I think it's worse now. 2016, because of how dirty the election was in terms of Hillary Clinton accusing Trump of being a Russian and then going into Trump's first year in, in his presidency, in his first term, and they accused him of being a Russian asset, investigated him. So, yeah. We may very well be in this state of fifth generational political warfare, and it's probably the best way to put it. One of the most shocking things to me is this story. Maricopa County refuses to comply with Arizona legislative subpoena for election evidence. Board of State's largest county, encompassing Phoenix, votes four to one to go to court to fight turning over ballot data and machines. What? (laughs) Just do it. Why are they blocking an audit, a forensic analysis in that special? You see, over in Antrim County, there's been a lot of really interesting videos emerging about audits and uh, the process by which they verify certain votes. And of course, we had that report come out of Antrim County where the left says the guy who wrote it is a Trump hack. And the guy who wrote it worked with, you know, MIT and NASA and is Harvard educated. And he asserts that uh, these, these Dominion voting machines were intentionally creating errors to create what's called, an, uh, I believe they call it an adjudication event or something like, like this. If the machine doesn't know what the ballot is, it shows the person and says, tell us what it is. Well, then you can have election officials. Well, let's just put it this way. Maybe make a mistake here or there. I don't know if this report is factually correct in every way. It's been disputed. And that's the most important thing. You can sit here and tell me, you know, for sure, like my good friends over at the Donald dot win who call me a, a, a bald cuck coward. By all means, feel free to call me whatever you want if I'm not going to outright say you won. But my, 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 my point is not one side or the other did or didn't win, though I certainly have my opinions and I tend to believe the right is right for the most part. The issue is that neither side cares, right? 
The right is adamant they've won. They will stand by that and they're not going to give any ground to the left. I happen to agree more with the right on many of these issues. And the reason that is, is because the left and the mainstream media is saying there's literally no evidence. There literally is tons of evidence and it's being blocked when people, when, when the Republicans are saying we want to, we're subpoenaing this data and they block it, makes you wonder, right? And that's the point. The left doesn't care. It is war. If we were actually functioning in a legitimate system, I don't know, well, maybe that's not the right way to put it, but I'll, I'll put it this way. If we actually had people confident in the system and we were a cohesive community working together for the betterment of this country, when a subpoena is issued for ballot data and machines, the count, the, the board uh, uh, for state's largest county would have said, yes, absolutely. We, 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 we must get this audit in. We must look at the data and, and, and allow a fair and transparent process. They blocked it and they're claiming you have no authority to issue these subpoenas. Okay, maybe that's true. And they say you're going to you're going to you're, you're going to violate ballot secrecy. Bro, it's it's election officials. It's 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 the state politicians. We're not publishing the data to the public. So to me, this is striking in its outward and overt declaration essentially of some kind of political warfare. We will not comply with your subpoenas, they say. Transparency is out the window. We are not dealing with a with a with a fair process. You know, the left can call it a free and fair election, but it is not. It is anything but. It is the left doing everything in their power to gain power. Of course, the Republicans and the right are going to do everything they can in their power to do the same. The big question is whether or not the, the right and Donald Trump has the political willpower to actually make a move. As I've cited numerous times, Ulysses S. Grant statement, if you feel you're being oppressed, you have your right to revolution, but you're staking your life, your property, and your guarantees as a, as a citizen. As I've often pointed out, as of right now, I don't think anybody has those things secured. So maybe we are headed towards something more dangerous than just, I don't know, political warfare. Because I tell you this, I can only imagine this story may be one of the most radicalizing stories we've got, you know, in, in this in this battle. I mean, think about it this way. It's one thing when you go to court, and the judge says, you have no standing, okay? You can't sue because it's too early or it's too late. That's exactly what we've been hearing. When there were suits filed before, the courts in Pennsylvania in one instance were like, well, nothing's happened yet, so you have no injury in fact. You can't sue just yet. And then the Supreme Court was like, but we'll put a hold on this. We'll put it, the U.S. Supreme Court was like, we're going to put a hold on this. And then we'll maybe decide later. Then after the election, they're like, you can't sue after the election once you've lost. That's not fair. So that's frustrating. That's making people angry. And the left keeps saying there is no evidence. What if I told you there's a 36 page report put out by Peter, Peter Navarro? You'd probably say, boom, there it is. Hard evidence. Fraud. The election was stolen, they say. Well, it's just one side asserting what they hold to be true. And I think the most important perspective for all of you especially those who are diehard Trump supporters who are angry that I won't uh, rally and, and, and yell, you know, pro Trump from the high heavens. The point is, you need to understand the bigger picture. I'm not saying you shouldn't have your opinions or believe what you want to believe. By all means, do that. Absolutely. But the bigger picture is neither side is is going to be playing by some. Well, actually, let me slow that down. I would say for the most part, you have both sides, like the Republicans are going to are going to be vying for power and the left will be vying for power. 
But in this instance, I think it's unfair to the right. They got their subpoenas. That's what they were supposed to do. You want an investigation? You want evidence? Okay. Well, here are the subpoenas. Give us the machines. We want to do an analysis. And it was blocked. Now that is dirty. The moment someone tries destroying or covering up evidence, you've got to start from there. There's something Scott Adams was saying. You can't have a debate about, you know, voter fraud or whatever, or, or things, things like that. That's misinformation because they were blocking observers. They were, they were putting up boards to cover the windows and they were not allowing people to actually watch the tabulation process. From that point on, what can you even do? They stopped you from even collecting the information. They shuttered the transparent process and that is political warfare. Here's the story from just the news. They say, Arizona's largest county refused Friday to comply with a subpoena from the state legislature going to court instead of fight uh, instead to fight turning over election evidence to a Senate committee investigating alleged ballot irregularities. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors voted four to one to authorize the lawsuit in Superior Court in Phoenix, arguing the legislature's demands are overly broad, could pierce voter privacy and constitute a draconian abuse of power. Incredible. Wanting to see evidence and do an analysis to make sure our elections are safe and secure is a draconian abuse of power, they say. They say it could pierce voter privacy. We are talking about elected officials doing an investigation into election integrity. We are not talking about taking people's private information and publishing it on the web. This is a BS excuse The lawsuit contests a subpoena from the state Senate Judiciary Committee, arguing the request for evidence was unlawful, could violate ballot secrecy, and did not give the county enough time to comply. The last one? Okay, fine. That's an argument for the courts. Do you have enough time to actually comply? But in that regard, the answer should be, we need more time. We'll get you the evidence when we get it to you, within a reasonable amount of time, mind you. The state Senate earlier in the week issued the subpoena ordering Maricopa County to surrender its ballot counting machines, software security logs, and more than 2 million ballots so senators could perform their own forensic audit. The state's electors have already cast their votes for Joe Biden after a canvas affirmed the Democrat won the state narrowly on November 3rd. President Trump and the state GOP have contested the vote, arguing there was fraud and irregularities in balloting. And isn't this fascinating? My friends, I think we are in a constitutional crisis for one simple reason. There is no process nor time by which we can resolve disputes over alleged fraud. If one party contests the vote and says, I want to see evidence and I, we should absolutely clear the air and allow it. The problem now is they're jamming it up and what they're doing. They want to run out the clock. That's it. Trump has been fighting nonstop, firing every single thing in his arsenal. And of course, you'll hear from the left, Trump has lost 60 lawsuits. He hasn't. Those are other people, not the, not the Trump campaign. I believe Trump has lost a small handful, like three or four, perhaps. I think you can maybe say five now because they've done some, uh, uh, some uh, more lawsuits after the initial post uh, uh, safe harbor. Before, before December 8th, they had a few lawsuits. Afterwards, they did some election contests kind of things. And so this, there's still a lot going on. As they mentioned, Trump has filed, he has contested the election results. Well, there you go. We need to get forensic audit on these machines so we can get everyone to shut up. 
That's the easiest way to put it. Shouldn't the Democrats be like, oh, these Republicans won't accept they lost. Just let them do their forensic audit. Jeez. Nope. In Michigan, they actually blocked the release of the Antrim County report showing irregularities where they claimed that a human error resulted in 6,000 votes supposed to, that were supposed to be for Trump actually went to Joe Biden. And that fits in line perfectly with the report. The report that came out of Antrim said that the machine was intentionally causing errors that would force mass adjudication like 60 to 70 percent or, or even more. Well, think about it. Human error. OK, so all these ballots go in and the machine goes, oh, no, we can't see, you know, we can't count the votes. Quick, somebody tell us what the votes were for. And then someone goes, boop, Joe Biden. And then all those votes go, boom, Joe Biden. A Republican noticed that this county is ridiculously Republican. There's no way it went two to one Democrat. Turns out she was right. And they said human error because the person is the one who did this. That doesn't mean it's widespread. That doesn't mean the entire report is correct. I'm just telling you what the report says. You know, YouTube is ban happy. So check this out. We can talk about evidence all day and night, right? We have uh, this case in Arizona. Now, in my opinion, there, there is no better evidence that you are not in a legal process. This is ridiculous that people think you are going to play this game. And I'll tell you, they talk about Trump playing 4D chess. You know, I've said in the past, Trump is, I wouldn't call it 4D chess, but Trump is at least playing chess and they're playing checkers. Now, you, you all are playing chess and they're just randomly moving the pieces wherever they want. And you're watching them do it. And you're like, yo, you can't move your piece like that. And they're like, do you want to keep playing? And you're like, I guess they're, they're, they're cheating. They're not playing by a fair legal process, blocking subpoenas. They demanded evidence. They said, you don't have any evidence. OK, then we'll hear subpoenas. Give us the machines. We'll get the evidence. No, you can't have the machines. You're not allowed to find evidence. There we are. So how can there be? any evidence if they're blocking the investigation, just like they did on election day. I am not saying anything about what this will find. I'm saying people are playing dirty. And that's about it. Now, this is interesting, though. Peter Navarro releases 36 page report alleging election fraud more than sufficient to swing victory for Trump. Well, certainly his opinion must be incorrect because YouTube says if that was true, they'd have to remove this video. But this is from the Washington Examiner. So hopefully YouTube gives me a news exemption because I think it is particularly substantial that the director of the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy has published a lengthy report Thursday outlining several examples of voting irregularities that are more than sufficient to swing the outcome of the election of president in President Trump's favor. I know this might seem a little uh, cliche for a Tim Pool video, but I do have to push back on, I think, at least one point. He mentioned somewhere in here voter rolls and dead voters. Check this out. Quote, in Pennsylvania, for example, a statistical analysis conducted by the Trump campaign matching voter rolls to public obituaries found what appears to be over 8,000 confirmed dead voters successfully casting mail-in ballots. Let me stop right there. You compared voter rolls to obituaries? Voter rolls have dead people on them. That's normal. And that's why we do voter roll cleanup. I, I, I think they might need to clarify this. Is he saying that it wasn't voter rolls they were looking at. They were looking at ballots cast. They were looking at public voter data for ballots cast. That's very, very different. Based on this quote, I can only say, bruh, you're wrong. 
Voter rolls have people who moved and have dead people on them. That doesn't mean they voted. It's the voter registration list. So maybe what he meant to say is we, uh, you know, he says successfully casting mail-in ballots. Perhaps what they mean to say, and this should be cleared up, is that they, they were tracking public voter data because that's the kind of stuff that the Voter Integrity Project actually has. The report claims in Georgia, underscoring the critical role of any given category of election irregularities might play in determining the outcome. The estimated number of alleged decrease uh, deceased individuals casting votes almost exactly equals the Biden victory margin. You see, look, these are the, the, the problem here is this is the kind of stuff where you need to issue subpoenas and you need to get the hard forensic data and things like that. And then you need to go to court and present it. Here's the big problem. Well, in Arizona, they've blocked the subpoenas. And in Georgia, they are not even interested in looking at the evidence in Nevada as well. The judges have not even gone over the evidence. I think it's because many of these judges have no political will. There's a story circulating, which I don't believe to be true, where they're claiming that, you know, uh, John Roberts said something to the effect of, would you do you want to be responsible for the riots if we take up this case? And it was in Texas. I think the elect the electors in Texas were, were saying this, that there was a there was a, 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 a clerk for the Supreme Court for one of the justices who came forward and said this is what they were saying. I don't I don't necessarily believe it. Um, not to say it's completely untrue, but, you know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. But it says to me something it, it does fit my my bias, which is I believe these judges are terrified. They're very cowardly individuals. There's, you know, I guess one way to put it is, are you willing to just say it's right if it's right, regardless of the consequences? Or are you scared that someone will be mean or that bad things, you know, so you ultimately say, I'm going to just let the corrupt system persist. I'll put it this way. If they let's use Donald Trump as an example. If Donald Trump really did commit crimes and they will not prosecute him out of fear that Trump's base would go nuts, then it's fine. The, 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 the republic has already fallen if we're giving special, uh, uh, you know, exemptions to the elites. I could say the same thing for Hillary Clinton. If Hillary Clinton really did commit crimes and there are some you know, revelations coming out from Patrick Byrne, maybe I'll talk about uh, later today. He's the former CEO of uh, Overstock. If Hillary Clinton did commit crimes and the FBI said, listen, you know, she did. But if we arrest her, man, it'll destabilize everything. Then you've it's already destabilized. If there's no rule of law, then what is this? A system by which elites extract value from regular people and then watch the country fall apart. So I tell you, man, right now you say there's no evidence. YouTube restricts what you're allowed to say in terms of your own opinion. And they're, in Arizona, they're blocking the subpoenas. How can we actually have a determination on what happened if this is the case? And if the judges are unwilling to review the evidence because they're scared? Well, you know, people are cowards. They are. They're unwilling to say what must be said. Now, listen, what I'm talking about is I can tell you this definitively. What I know, we have seen much evidence. We have not made a determination in court beyond a reasonable doubt because they aren't allowing it. And that's where we, we, we stop dead in our tracks because the judges are scared of what will happen. I mean, we had a story not that long ago about some, some FedEx guy, like he dressed up like a FedEx worker, went to a judge's house. Her son opened the door, boom, right in the chest. That's what happened to a judge who was working on a very high profile case, to say the least. So these people are terrified. They don't want to say, they don't want to say what is right. They'd rather say what is safe. 
And as long as that's the case and brave people will not stand up for what what must be done, then we will get nowhere. And what must be done right now definitively is a clear and transparent assessment. I am not going to stand on the top of a mountain and scream that Donald Trump won. Never going to happen. I will stand on top of a mountain and scream. I demand the subpoenas be honored and I want to see this adjudicated in court. I want to see the evidence presented before a judge. I want it on TV and let the people see the transparent process by, uh, for what is going on. I will say it's highly suspect that one side seems hell bent on blocking that evidence. But you know what? You've got people like Brian Kemp, right? Trump has been ragging on the Georgia governor because he won't call for a special session of the state legislature. That's all they need for Trump to win. If Brian Kemp says, I hereby call a special session, the state legislature of Georgia would give their electors to Donald Trump and Trump could win. That's political willpower. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it could be done. So I warn you all now. Here's the story from Newsweek. Trump is the Republican Party pollster says as president hoards campaign donations. That's right. Donations aren't going to Republicans. They're going to Trump. Trump supporters aren't worried about Georgia. They're worried about Trump. I don't care about Georgia. I'm I'm worried about what's going on this election and what Trump will do and what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I've never been a Republican. And it was only because of Trump that I actually voted Republican this time. So I'm that fair weather milk toast fence sitter. And you've probably already lost me Republicans because I'll be honest with you. You didn't fight for Trump. And now we're getting crooked, compromised, corrupt crony Joe Biden and his criminal family. I didn't say they were good criminals. I didn't say they were powerful criminals. But his son and his brother have certainly enriched themselves in what I would describe as nefarious means, with nefarious means, using their uh, their relative, Joe Biden, father or brother, to give to, to clear the path, to open this up. Joe Biden, if you look at Poli- uh, Politico's Biden Inc., very clearly, in my opinion, using his office to enrich himself and his family, and even their former family confidant, Tony Bobulinski, said he's compromised by China. Michael Flynn tells Newsmax that the Georgia runoffs are fake elections. Well, I don't know about all that. Um, I think the elections in Georgia are extremely important. And I do think it would be very, very important Republicans hold the, the, the Senate. If you care about the Republican Party and you don't like what the Democrats are doing, then you, you need to go and vote. Me personally, I'm not, I don't know. That's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested. I don't care. I think they're legit elections. And I think the narrative over voter fraud has missed something very, very important. There's a lot of uh, Republicans asking people like Loeffler, why should I vote if you're saying it's rigged? It's very simple. Even if you think it is, Trump needs votes. I mean, right? What, people talk about how Trump ended up winning. And one of the conspiracy theories is that he just he was doing too. It was too good of, of, of a job for Trump, too good. So so Trump was able to get so many votes that the rigging didn't matter. That's the conspiracy theory. I just happen to think Hillary Clinton was really awful. And Trump won by about 77,000 votes across three states. Now, people are concerned the elections are rigged. Well, I've never been a big fan of the system. I've never believed in it until Donald Trump actually won. But I'll tell you this. If you think there is some kind of you know foul play or whatever, let me tell you. Imagine if Donald Trump didn't get 74 million votes. Imagine if Donald Trump got 64 million because people were like, what's the point of voting? Then Joe Biden would be up by 16 million 
And people would be like, what are you even arguing? The, the landslide for Biden would have been like 430 electoral votes or some ridiculous number. Even if you think there's there's, you know, dirty games afoot, you still have to go vote. Now, regardless of that, I don't care for Loeffler or Purdue. So, you know, I don't live in Georgia anyway, so don't look at me. But Michael Flynn, Linwood, Sidney Powell, many of these these ardent Trump supporters, they don't care about Georgia. And I get it. I think Trump supporters get it, too. This is about Trump, not about the Republican Party. The Republican Party is Trump. Trump is the Republican Party. Trump basically collects all the donations and he, t- he says what, you know, what's going on now. Trump has said they have to win. And there's a really good reason why, if you really do care, you probably should go and vote. I'll tell you this. If Donald Trump does somehow find a way to, well, actually, no, I, I was going to say something, but I, I think that actually doesn't make sense. People have said if Trump does find a way to win somehow, and on January 20th, he, he's, 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 you know, having his next term. But the Democrats split the Senate 50-50. It means that you're going to have the likes of, you know, I don't know what, Murkowski, I guess, and other fair weather Republicans who will break for the Democratic Party, giving them the ability to actually take control and jam up Trump's second term much worse than the House. The reason I was I was I was going to say, you know, I, I was going to. I'll walk that back a little bit is because Mike Pence can still break a tie if the Republicans uh, have a defector. If the Republicans lose both seats, that's when Republicans are in trouble. And that's why it's probably important you go and vote in Georgia if you care, even about Trump. That's probably why Trump has said to go do it. If Trump wins, but the Democrats win in Georgia, then it's 50-50. And that means one defector from the Republican Party will mean the Republicans are going to lose that vote. So Republicans need to hold these two seats to keep it 52 to 48 so that the likelihood of one or two defectors won't change anything. And even if you have three, Mike Pence could still break that tie. But I don't think they're seeing it that way. And I think Democrats are exploiting it. I think it's it's dirty politics all the way down. And I'm not I don't I don't think Trump will be the president come January 20th. I think it'll be Joe Biden, in which case Republicans probably really, really want to hold the Senate. But I don't think it's going to happen. Because this is the Trump party now. The, the Republican Party is basically Donald Trump. And these politicians who have stabbed figuratively Trump in the back, they're not. Why, why would anyone come out to get, make sure Mitch McConnell remains the, the majority leader or, or, you know, party leader in any capacity? I don't think they're going to do it. I think we're going to see a dramatic transformation of the Republican Party. We have been seeing it. But now that there's actual, you know, Trump's presidency on the line and hanging by a, a, the thinnest of thin threads that I'm not sure he can pull himself up from, or I don't think he can. Trump supporters are ready to, to just tell the, the, uh, the GOP to bye bye, screw off. We're not interested. In the end, I can't I can't tell you what will happen with absolute certainty, but I can tell you that it's political warfare. Neither, neither side, in my opinion, is interested in what is right or fair. They're interested in winning. I just happen to think the right is more likely to be playing fair. They said, "Okay." the court said, no, fine, then we're going to we're going to issue a subpoena. That's the way they should do it. I mean, they could theoretically just march in with some sheriffs or something and just take the machines, right? That'll be playing dirty, but they're not doing that. And because of it, they'll probably lose. It's unfortunate, but it's true. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. You know what's old and broke? 
Donald Trump claiming widespread fraud in the election and that maybe it was actually China that did it. People sitting around saying that maybe Trump will enact some executive order, overturn the results and take this presidency. Been there, done that. Come on, everybody. Twitter reliably informs me that this claim of widespread voter fraud is is disputed by reputable sources. So clearly Twitter says it's not happening. But you know what Twitter didn't fact check? Why the new bright and shiny claim that Mitch McConnell won due to widespread voter fraud. And I'm not making this up. Obviously, you saw the title of this video and you clicked it, but check it out. I tweeted, basically, no one trusts the election results. It's from the raw story, which is Green Check certified by NewsGuard, who says why the numbers behind Mitch McConnell's reelection don't add up. But in this tweet, there's something missing, everybody. Why? There's no blue box that says the claim of voter fraud is being disputed. Oh, because I guess you can claim that Mitch McConnell didn't win legitimately for the exact same reasons that many Trump supporters are claiming Biden didn't win legitimately. And it's OK. Oh, great. Well, let, let me let me tell you something. If Raw Story wants to come out and claim Mitch McConnell cheated at this point, I'm not sure any Trump supporter is going to care. Maybe, maybe some. Okay, I don't want to blanket every single Trump supporter, but let me just tell you, Mitch McConnell very famously asked Trump to turn around. He's like, Mr. President, could you turn around for me for a minute? And Trump was like, sure thing, Mitch, anything you say. And then he pulls out this long blade and was like, <laughs> well, maybe the, maybe the evil cackling's too much because more like a turtle. So Mitch McConnell probably went, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. What do cartoon turtles do? Whatever. You get the point. I don't care. If it's Mitch McConnell or it's Eric Swalwell or it's Donald Trump or it's Joe Biden, if you are coming out and you are showing me evidence of some kind of potential fraud or fraud and you want an investigation, let's do it. I don't care. Mitch McConnell, light it up. Let's see the investigation. I want a full audit of the Kentucky machines. Done. Do it. I don't like Mitch McConnell. And there was probably a point many Trump supporters were, were defending him because he was effectively getting these conservative judges on the courts, but betraying Donald Trump. You see, January 6th, that's the, the day the Electoral College votes are counted by Congress, a joint session. And Mitch McConnell has been pleading with Republicans not to object to just let Biden win. Wonderful. That's the kind of strong political willpower that Trump supporters were looking for, Mitch, rolling over and playing dead. I don't think Trump supporters are going to care. I don't think they're going to get mad. For the most part, they're making this claim. I think conservatives in general, Republicans, Trump supporters are probably going to point out there is a very serious and obvious double standard. And it's being proven by the fact that Raw Story is Green Jack certified and allowed to make these claims. But all that being said, all that to preface the story, I actually want to see what's going on with these accusations against Mitch McConnell and why they think he didn't win. And there's actually one really easy statistic right away. Mitch McConnell's approval rating is in the gutter in Kentucky, yet he somehow like doubled the number, nearly doubled his approval to vote, you know, count. Donald Trump's approval rating is below 50 percent. And he still manages to get 74 million votes. That's still around the, the, the 47 or so percent based on the vote totals. It actually adds up when you look at Joe Biden's count. But not only that, uh, approval rating isn't necessarily all registered voters. 
So it's interesting to see a massive disparity in Mitch McConnell's approval. And I think it's interesting. I don't think it really proves anything. But let's see what Raw's story has to say in their bold claim why the numbers behind Mitch McConnell's reelection don't add up. Raw story says on a uh, on a Thursday in August in Louisville, uh, months before the 2020 election, a parade of cars filled with Kentucky Teamster representatives and labor groups showed their fury at Mitch McConnell's constant blocking of critical covid aid. They drove by McConnell's office raucously honking and bearing signs saying, Mitch, better have my money. In 2017, a public policy polling survey asked Kentuckians, do you approve or disapprove of Senator Mitch McConnell's job performance? Only 18 percent approved. He clawed his rating back up to 39 percent on the eve of the election. McConnell, Leader of the Senate Republicans rarely holds town hall meetings with Kentucky voters, not since a heated exchange with an angry constituent went viral. Here's a a, a little bit they have. It says one of the five voters appear to have filled out their ballots with votes for both the female Democratic Amy McGrath and Republican Donald Trump. I'm not going to throw that insult in there. So what exactly drove these angry Kentuckians to reelect Mitch McConnell with a 19 point advantage over opponent Amy McGrath, 57.8 to 38.2? Even as Republicans across the country still insist the election was rife with fraudulent Democratic votes, no one's asking how McConnell managed one of the most lopsided landslides of the November 3rd election. They should. An investigation of Kentucky voting results by D.C. report raises significant questions about the vote tallies in McConnell state. McConnell racked up huge vote leads in traditionally Democratic strongholds, including counties that he had never that he had never before carried. Sound familiar, everyone? There were wide, unexplained discrepancies between the vote counts for presidential candidates and down ballot candidates. Significant anomalies exist in the state's voter records. Forty percent of the state's counties carry more voters on their rolls than voting age citizens. Again, sound familiar, anyone? Kentucky and many other states using vote tabulation machines made by election systems and software all reported down ballot race results at significant odds with pre-election polls. I can keep saying it over and over again. Sound familiar every month, but you get the point. Now, I have to wonder, is the goal of this story from Raw Story as a kind of leftist counter to claims of voter fraud from the right? If so, they're not actually doing anything to counter Trump's claims. They're emboldening his claims. They're adding to the cacophony of of noise from people screaming, we demand the evidence be reviewed. And I'll tell you this. If that was your intent to look at anomalies and be like, see, Mitch McConnell lost too. I don't care. I don't like Mitch McConnell. And guess what? I think most Trump supporters probably don't either. So all the raw story is doing right now, and maybe that's maybe maybe the real intent is just to say, yeah, okay, let's look into the voter fraud. All they're doing is getting all of the Trump supporters to be like, see, now you get it. You agree with us. Let's audit every single state. Why not? Don't you want to know for sure? I know I do, and I don't care if it means Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, or Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are the ones who get the short end of the stick. Do the forensic audit. I want to know my elections are legit. I'm rather independent, so, you know, I don't just vote Democrat or Republican. I think I want good policy. And the Democrats at this point, I think, have gone nuts. But I'm not going to vote. I don't care for Mitch McConnell or, or, or Lindsey Graham. Let's read more. They say, the 2020 Kentucky, Kentucky U.S. Senate election results map 
DC report focused on results in three counties in eastern Kentucky's Appalachian Mountains, two of which Democrats usually always win. Usually always? Pick your words. Come on. But similar patterns emerge in other counties across the state, even in counties that voted overwhelmingly for Democrats as recently as the 2019 gubernatorial election. There were a staggering number of Democrats voting Republican in 2020. I love this because it's like maybe this actually provides a ton of evidence as to how Donald Trump should have actually won everything. Because think about it. Why are all these Democrats voting for Republicans? Uh, Could it be that the Democratic Party has gone nuts and that they lost a bunch of House seats across the country? The Republicans were able to hold the Senate for the most part, like, uh, well, and have the numbers on their side for now. I'm not entirely convinced they'll they'll win these two seats. And then, you know, with Biden coming in. But Republicans did remarkably well at the state level. Something was happening where Democrats were voting for Republicans. How can that be? You want to talk about serious accusations of, uh, you know, voter anomalies, double voters and stuff. I will listen to the evidence. Sworn affidavits from people claiming that, you know, they saw a backdating of ballots or that there was impropriety. I'm listening. But when Trump supporters come out and say things like, I don't understand why how many people or how, how so many people in the military voted for Biden, I say, because maybe they voted for Biden. I don't know. That's not evidence of anything. Sometimes people vote in ways you don't quite understand. If you see someone commit a crime, I'll listen. To, I'll, I want to see the sworn affidavit. If you see weird bundles of, of you know, vote blocks or, or double voters or, or out of state voters, show me the database. And I've seen those. What they're doing here in the story is they're like, how could this possibly be that Democrats voted Republican? I'll tell you what, maybe Mitch McConnell's approval rating was in the gutter. And then maybe over the next couple of years, the Democrats went collectively insane and then made Mitch McConnell look better by comparison, right? Let's read more. They say in rural uh, Breathitt County, for instance, there are 9,508 registered Democrats and just 1,599 registered Republicans. The county has a history of close contests, but Amy McGrath got only 1,652 votes versus 3,738 for McConnell, a 67 to 29% trouncing. McGrath's votes, if accurate, equaled only 17% of registered Democrats in Breathitt County. That's really, really interesting that Mitch McConnell doubled the number of registered Republicans. But I'm sorry, that's not evidence of fraud. You didn't catch anything. We'll keep reading. It's actually evidence the Democratic Party is collapsing and it's everything we have been warning you about. But hey, hey, hey hold on, hold on. I'm right here with you. If you want an audit, I, I, yes, please just make it happen. If you think there were voting systems that were corrupt, bring it to a court. Let's get that, get it to the floor. I want to see the evidence. And I want you unrestricted access to all of the databases, all of the voting machines, get it done. I want to see the proof as well. I don't care for the Republicans. I don't blindly trust them. Let's make it happen. Oh, oh, but I will add, when you get your investigation and your audits, I fully expect the same in reciprocity from other states. So how about we all agree to this? If you're concerned about Mitch McConnell winning, then why don't we just do a hard audit of every state? And uh, and how about we look at the election codes and the actions taken before the elections as well? It's only fair to make sure the election was done right. And I mean that sincerely. I would love to see an audit, but we got to be fair if we do. It wouldn't make sense to do an audit or investigation of Kentucky and then ignore other states. So how about we just roll with it? And we go for every state. I'm down for that. 
Conventional, they go on. Conventional political wisdom in McConnell land holds that these days ancestral Kentucky Democrats vote Republican and analysts shouldn't correlate party registration with voting patterns. But simply dismissing any anomalies based on anecdotal hearsay ignores the data and other possible explanations. McConnell won Breathitt County in 2020 with 1,308 more votes than he received in the county's much closer 2014 race, which he won by fewer than 400 votes. The 2019 governor's race was also a squeaker in Breathitt County, but Democrat Andy uh, Bashir eked out a 69 vote victory. Bashir won the race statewide. Could it be there is a dramatic difference between federal level, national level politicians and local or uh, gubernatorial politicians? I think the answer is yes. The Democrats in the federal and in, in Congress, the federal level, seem to be out of their minds. Locally, they listen to what the people are saying. Now, that doesn't mean it's still good to empower them because state level races can impact gerrymandering, which can impact the House. But I'm not surprised by this data at all. It actually confirms my bias that people were fleeing the Democratic Party. Now, based on what's going on with the election in Trump, we are seeing Republicans quit the party. But let's read more. They go on to say McConnell's results were even more out of whack in two other nearby Appalachian counties. In his six previous Senate elections, Elliott and Wolf counties had never voted for McConnell, even up to last year. Elliott County remained reliably Democratic in non-presidential races, voting for the party's entire Democratic slate in both the 2015 and 2019 statewide elections. Yet in 2020, McConnell won 64% of the the votes in Wolf County and 66% of the votes in Elliott County. McGrath only got 21% of registered Democrats in Wolf and 20% in Elliott. Is it possible people just don't like you? This is not evidence of fraud. I'm still down for that hard audit you asked for. Well, I don't know if they're even asking for that. But telling me that people don't like your candidate doesn't prove anything. Hillary Clinton lost. She was awful. Trump won in states like Pennsylvania and Ohio. And they were like, wow, we didn't see that coming. He won in places where they did not expect a Republican to win. They called it the blue wall. You know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Trump, Trump won. Well, in 2020, he didn't. They go on to say, next, take the premise that there would be some basic logic on the voting patterns of those who did vote Democrat. One might expect a registered Democrat who's going to vote Democratic would walk into the booth and cast their vote for both Joe Biden and Amy, Amy McGrath. But the data tell another story. In 119 of 120 counties, Amy McGrath got more votes than Joe Biden in some counties. The votes were close. But in counties like Breathitt and Elliott, one of the five voters appeared to have filled out their ballots with votes for both the female Democratic Amy McGrath and Donald Trump. Now, right there, I'm going to have to go ahead and say, all right, that's interesting. That makes me say something doesn't make sense. Who's going to vote for Trump and Amy McGrath? That seems kind of weird. I understand the inverse voting for McConnell and Biden because Bi- because Biden and McConnell are like the same thing. But who would vote for the right and left populist candidates with starkly different cultural values? That does not make sense to me. I'll give you that one raw story. They say then there's the question of why a county like Breathitt has more registered voters than it has people of voting age. 2019 population data show that Breathitt County had 12,630 people with approximately 23% below the voting age of 18. This means approximately 9,700 people are of voting age, yet there are 11,497 registered voters. Having 100% of the voting age population registered would be astounding enough. But Breathitt County appears to have almost 120% more registered voters than age-eligible citizens. And looking further, 
It appears it is not limited to Breathit. I love it. That I love. You got me. That's some legit. We got some questions there right away. Okay, here's what we got to do. Can we get a forensic analysis of the voting machines and a signature audit of everything in Breathitt County? And then perhaps in a bunch of other swing state counties, tell you what, let's let's just do a full audit of the Kentucky vote. Make sure that Mitch McConnell really did win. And then we'll do the other swing states, too. All right. Legit. We'll uh, 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 we'll make sure we're being fair. I mean it. I'm not even kidding. In November 2017, Judicial Watch, a right wing nonpartisan foundation promoting transparency, promoting transparency. Look at that. Sued Kentucky over its dirty voter rolls and its failure to maintain accurate voter registration lists. The suit argued that 48 of the 120 Kentucky counties had more registered voters than citizens over the age of 18 and alleged that Kentucky was one of the only three states with a statewide active registration rate greater than 100 percent of the age eligible citizen population. Kentucky's inflated voter rolls and lack of transparency provide a perfect cover for malfeasant behavior regarding the election results. Now, listen, I don't I don't buy it. I don't think that Kentucky was flipped or anything like that. When we saw in Florida in I think it was precinct, what was it to five one seven or something? I can't remember. They or was it five three eight? I don't know. They said that they had like 117% voter registra- voter turnout compared to registration. And the official explanation was that some people changed their addresses the last minute. So then they just appeared because they were already registered. So now they're in this area. Sure, fine, whatever. If that's the explanation, it could apply here as well. I don't think that explanation matters, though. I don't care for explanations. I care for evidence. I want to see a forensic analysis, bipartisan and independent. Let's make it happen. They want to say, Turning an 18% approval into a 58% win may seem like a turning water into wine style miracle, but a smoke and mirrors parlor trick seems more likely. Are you going to say that about Joe Biden not campaigning, not holding big events, and then somehow beating Barack Obama? Because I'm right there with you if you want to be fair and talk about everything. To better understand how the data could have been manipulated, look no further than Trump's own legal filings. In an incompetent post-election lawsuit, the Trump team may have intended to accuse Democrats of election fraud. But in describing a plausible plot, they attributed the cheating to Trump himself. In December 4th filing in Georgia, Trump's legal team referred to a machine-controlled algorithm deliberately run by a voting machine vendor, Dominion. They alleged this algorithm generally took uh, more than 2.5% of the votes from Mr. Biden and flipped them to Trump. Yes, and then they quickly amended this saying, we mixed it up. Trump's own legal team, instead of providing evidence of fraud on Biden's side, may have inadvertently revealed fraud benefiting Trump. Or just like all the other weird mix-ups, mess-ups, typos, and spacing errors, they really screwed up the filing. Did you know that uh, right now there is a filing from Lynn Wood where he says that something to the effect of, I swear, under plenty of perjury, probably because the, the spell checker didn't catch, he meant to say penalty probably misspelled it typing it out. Spell checker autocorrected it from like penty or like pelty and then changed it to plenty instead of penalty. And because he didn't see the spell check line, he assumed it was probably correct. So they make a lot of mistakes. You can't simultaneously claim that Trump's lawyers are incompetent, but that and then say, but they really meant it. No, it was a mix up. Come on. I'm down with with the audits, man. I'm down with the investigation. I don't care for Mitch McConnell. Let's do the investigation. In describing a deliberate vendor-installed machine-controlled algorithm, automatically taking a percentage of Biden's votes and giving them to Trump, they certainly are outlining how fraud could have been executed. I love it. Yes, 
Trump supporters, please agree with these people to an extent. Let's all together hold hands and sing Kumbaya under a rainbow while we have a massive 50 statewide audit of every single vote and machine. Make it happen. Signature audits, bipartisan, independent, third party, you name it. They say Trump's teams, Trump's team claims Dominion was the machine vendor and betting algorithms to flip votes. But is Trump pointing to one machine vendor to distract from another? In Kentucky, when looking at counties where the numbers leap out on behalf of Mitch McConnell, none use Dominion. Most use machines from electronic systems and software, a Dominion competitor. If you swap ESNS for Dominion in the alleged vote flipping scheme, you may arrive at an alternate explanation for why Amy McGrath's numbers weren't lining up and correlating with Biden's. Listen, I think it's really obvious what they're doing. They're trying to create a mirror image. It's a gag. I don't believe they're serious. I don't care if they're serious, though, because, okay, you've made the claim and I am totally down for a full audit. Done. Because I'm not scared of information at all. If it turns out Mitch McConnell didn't win and he cheated, I don't care. And if it turns out he didn't, well, then there you go. You got your confirmation. Settle down, everybody. But what they're doing right now, talking about these voting machine systems, is it's kind of messed up. I'm not a big fan of the Dominion voting machine, you know, theories that are going around. And I've pushed back on them in many ways. I'm not saying they're perfect. We've got the Antrim report that's made some pretty serious accusations against them, and I can respect that. But there's already people pointing out that this story is fake. And the reason why they're saying it is that I think it's like 97% of people who voted had hand counted, like hand tabulated votes printed out on physical paper, and it didn't go through these voting machines, something like that. What this author is trying to do, they would suggest, it would suggest is, I guess they hate Trump. And because Trump supporters make a claim, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll make the same claims, thinking it's like a snap back, clap back at Trump supporters. In reality, it's actually just confirming what Trump supporters already believed. Mitch McConnell's crooked and corrupt. The political establishment is cheating. And Republicans have even accused Brian Kemp of cheating in Georgia, which would mean Stacey Abrams actually won. I don't think these people know anything about what Trump supporters are talking about. And it it reminds me of that. Uh thing on Twitter they did with the Proud Boys, where they had all, you know, a bunch of gay men were posting photos together saying, we're the Proud Boys, take that bigots. And then people started posting Gavin McInnes, the founder, making out with Milo Yiannopoulos. Like, I don't think you know anything about these guys. It's the perfect example of the left not understanding anything from the right. This from the raw story is emboldening all of the claims of fraud. Take it to heart, Trump supporters. They end by saying, when Trump says, look over here at Dominion, Maybe we should look at ESNS when Republicans spent on founded claims that Democrats stole the election. Maybe we should be looking at Republican vote totals instead. And when Trump calls the most fraudulent election in our history, maybe he knows of what he speaks. If you think you're going to come out and say the word instead, all you're really telling people is it seems like there was fraud. And that's all that matters. If people in Kentucky are voting for Republicans and now they're being told they've been bamboozled, then maybe they should say, by all means, bring on the audit. And to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of conservatives are like, that's ridiculous. We're not going to do an audit. But I would be really surprised if Trump supporters said that. Trump supporters are going to be the ones screaming, whoa, more evidence has just emerged. Do an audit. People don't like the political establishment. Figure out what's going on. Maybe if the left paid attention at all, they'd realize they're the ones being the baddies, because while they claim to be populists, they're propping up the establishment. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up over at my other 
uh, other channel, the Tim Pool YouTube channel, which you can find by typing in youtube.com slash TimCast. Don't ask me why YouTube does it that way. That's just the way they've done it. Again, type in youtube.com slash TimCast, press enter, boom, new channel. And I will see you all there at 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out.